Good morning. Luke is just a little bit taller than me, if you didn't notice. I have to pull this thing way down here. Um, glad you're here. Would you uh, just take a moment and thank God for being a God worthy of worship? Just with, with your hands. I'm sorry, that wasn't good instructions. And I want to thank, thank Luke for leading us through that this morning and real, helping us to realize what worship is all about. Worship is about giving to God. It's not about us. You know, the reality is it's not about what we have to offer God because we don't have much to offer, as Luke talked about. But what God wants from us is our lives. And so as we worship Him, we say to God, you have all of who I am. I give it all to you. I give my time, talents, and resources. I give my life to you. And it's also about receiving back from God because God has the stuff to offer us. He's got more than we could ever imagine. And he wants to give it to us. As we worship him, there's this give-receive thing that's going on. So thanks for worshiping this morning. Uh, Welcome to Epic Church. Glad to see all of you here today. Glad you've chosen to join us. We are in an epic story that we started a few weeks ago. And uh, so we're going to continue that story today. And uh, we have a real privilege to have with us today a guy by the name of Tony Putnam is going to be here. Apparently, a few of you know Tony, and if he does really well this week, we probably won't invite him back because, you know, then he'll be, you know, more popular than I am, and that won't be good. No, Tony's a good friend of mine, known him for about 10, 11 years. Uh, he is, uh, anybody remember the old days of a thing called Crosspoint? Anybody remember anything like that? A few of you, okay. There's all three of you are here in the front row. So this thing called Crosspoint, Tony's been the pastor of that for a number of years, and he's been a teaching pastor over at Palm Coast Community Church as well. And if you're not familiar with how we are connected with Palm Coast Community Church, they are actually what's called our sponsoring church. So they have been very active in supporting us as we've gotten started here at Epic. So they've helped uh, supply us with resources, with volunteers that are here. There are a number of people here. If you are here from Palm Coast Community Church and you're here to help serve and get Epic started, would you raise your hand? You look around, you'll see a number of people that are here just to help us get started. So we thank them for what they're doing. What's that? You just showed up. That's great. Good to have. Glad you just showed up. How many others of you just showed up this morning? I did. I just showed up because I'm glad that Tony's on and I'm not. I had the week off of prep. So anyway, let me tell you where we've been and then Tony's going to take it away here in a minute after I pray and where we're going. So a number of weeks ago, we started with this idea that we live in a story. There is this incredible story that unfolds all around us. And and most of us don't ever really realize that we're living in a story. A lot of us get things backwards about this story. We think that the story is about us, right? It's like my story. Most of my life, I'm concerned about my story and what I'm doing, where I'm going. And as I've studied in Scripture, I understand that it's not my story. There is this big story that's going on. It actually started before time began. So before I ever came on the planet, there was a story that has been unfolding. And week number two, we found out that the story is about the creator called God. It's a being called God. So God exists in this thing called community. It's hard to understand. Don't fully grasp it. But the Bible teaches that God exists in this thing called the Trinity relationship. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit together being God. Don't fully grasp it. 
but it's in the story. And so the, the reality is God has never been alone. And if you think about that, that's a pretty radical thought. God has never been alone. So God has always existed in a deep love relationship, a deep community, a relationship that God invites us into. Then last week we got into a twist in our story. So our story starts out incredible. God begins the act of creation. He creates all that we see, all that we know. Incredible things around the universe are being created. And then evil enters the story. Last week we learned that there is an angel, an angel that had everything. It was called the guardian angel, called Lucifer was his name, the angel of light. He was the most beautiful angel. And yet what God had given him was not enough. He wanted more. And so what grew in his heart was evil. Because he said, you know what? I want to set my throne above God's stars. I want to be like God. And we found in our story that there really is this evil presence in the world. And you don't have to look very far to see it, to experience it. And the sad thing is sometimes I'm the evil in the story. Sometimes I'm the one that does the things that shouldn't be done. Sometimes I'm the little kid shaking my fist at God saying, I want to be like God. I want my own way. I want to do my own thing. And so today, we've got an opportunity to look closer at this thing called the battle for the heart. I'm going to pray, and then the story is going to continue to unfold. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for this incredible story that's unfolding all around us, and the opportunity that we have to be a part of this story. Open our eyes today. Lord, our hearts are open. We want to learn. We want to hear from you. So speak to us. Transform us. Lord, don't allow us to remain as we are. We desire to be transformed by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. So God took the earth and prepared it as a place for life. Through the power of his words, God created the earth into a wonderful place that can sustain the life that he would create. God put great care and creativity into all of his creation. He looked at his creation and said, This is really good. After he had prepared the earth, God said, Let us make humans in our image to be like us. They will be in charge of the earth and the plants and the animals that live on it. So God formed man from the dust on the ground and breathed his own breath into him, giving him life. This human would be called Adam. God took a rib from Adam's side and formed the first woman named Eve, which means giver of life. God placed Adam and Eve in a beautiful garden, a place where he provided everything they would need. In this garden, God planted all kinds of trees that produced delicious fruit so they would always have plenty to eat. God gave them the responsibility to take care of this garden and all of his creatures. In the middle of the garden were two special trees, a tree of life and a tree that could give people the knowledge of good and evil. God told them to enjoy fruit from any tree in the garden, except for one. God warned them. If you eat fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will definitely die. God joined them in a close relationship as husband and wife, where they devoted themselves to each other. 
Although Adam and Eve were naked, they felt no shame. God would come and spend time with the humans, walking with them in the cool of the day and teaching them the best ways to live. And Adam and Eve loved being with God. They lived under God's care and protection, a life that was full and complete. As God looked over all of his creation, he thought, This is excellent in every way. But one day, a clever serpent came to Eve and asked her, Did God really say you can't eat any of the fruit in the garden? Eve told him, No, we can eat from any tree in the garden. It's only the tree of knowledge of good and evil that we are not allowed to eat from or touch, or we will die. Trying to trick Eve, the serpent said, You won't die. God knows that when you eat from that tree, your eyes will be opened, and you will become just like him. You will know everything, both good and evil. When Eve saw how delicious the fruit looked, she thought, Huh, we will know everything. Then she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to Adam, who was with her, and he also ate. Instantly, their eyes were opened, and they became filled with shame and fear. They strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover their nakedness. Toward evening, they heard God walking in the garden, so they hid themselves in some trees. God called to them, Where are you? Adam answered, I heard you coming, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God answered, Why are you ashamed of being naked? Did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? Adam said, It was the woman you gave me. She gave the fruit to me. (laughs) Then God said to Eve, How could you do this? Eve replied, The serpent tricked me into eating the fruit. So God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you and your kind are cursed to crawl on your belly and eat dust the rest of your life. You will be the enemy of women and her sons. You will bite at their heels, but he will crush your head. God's heart was broken because of their disobedience. Since God always does what is right and true, he could not ignore what they had done. So God punished Adam and Eve by placing them out of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were now subject to sickness, pain, and even death. God told them, The way you've chosen to live will bring you great struggles and pain, and then you will return to the ground from which you were created. Even though Adam and Eve had brought a curse of sin and death onto the world, God still loved them deeply. He created clothing for them out of animal skins so they would not be ashamed outside of the garden. And God set out on a rescue mission to break the curse of sin and death and to restore humans to a right relationship with himself. This mission would cost God everything dear to him. God's mission unfolds around us every minute of every day. How many of you have heard that story before in some form or fashion? Raise your hand. Okay, that is the story of the beginnings, right? Now, I, uh, I haven't been here the last three weeks. Uh, I've been uh, teaching some students over the last three weeks. 
uh, here in Flagler County. But I've been listening to the podcast on the EpicChurch.com, and it's been really cool to hear the epic story unfolding. And I need your help right here, okay? What I need us to do is kind of recap the story a little bit, and I want to kind of set up a parameter for us. And then I need you to interact with me, because if you don't interact with me, this is going to be really awkward right here, okay? You understand what I'm saying? So when I ask questions, you answer me. Does that make sense? Oh, good. Okay, that was good. Okay, Uh, based on the story that we saw on the Star Wars crawl, and based on the story that we just heard dramatically read for us here today, I want you to answer the questions we're going to ask based on those things, because I know some of you grew up going to church, and you've heard this story before, and uh, some of you haven't. So to kind of make sure everybody's on a level playing field, let's just answer the questions based on what we've heard this morning. Get it? Good. Okay, very good. Hey, you guys are awake. Awesome. Okay, so first question. How did God make humans unique and special among his creation? How did God make humans different from all the other things he created? Just based on what we've heard today. In his image. Good. What else? No shame or fear. Okay, what else? He made them intelligence. There was some intelligence thing different than the other animals. Okay, what else? Everlasting life. Interesting. What else? The power of choice. Wow, those are great answers. You guys were listening to the story, boys and girls. Very good. Okay, all right. Uh, Next question. What kind of relationship did God have with these humans that he created? This is where you answer. What kind of relationship did he have with the humans? Passionate. Passionate. Personal. Deep, loving. loving. We have men giving one-word answers. Me, man. Okay. So, uh, what else? What kind of, how would you describe this relationship? He was their father. He was their father. Good. Trusting. Trusting. Good. What else? Do you think the people liked being with God in the beginning? Yeah, yeah they kind of hung out together in the garden, man. It was kind of a cool thing. All right, here's, a, here's kind of a twisted question. It's a twisted question because this is the, the hinge point of the whole story today. Why did God put the two trees in the center of the garden? So that they could have a choice? Why did he put them in the middle? I mean, does this bug anybody but me? I mean, why did God put those trees right smack in the middle of the garden? I mean, why not off in the the far corner or in the back 40? Why do you think? Ooh, you always end up coming back to the center. That's a good answer. To tempt them, really. What? That's where the heart is. Interesting answers. All right, good stuff. All right. Now, there was a serpent in the story, and the serpent comes up, and this was greatly illustrated. The serpent tempts Adam and Eve to disobey God. How did he do that? How did he tempt them? By saying they would be like God. Okay. He said that they would be like God. What else? Somebody said something in the back. The power thing. He appealed to them having power, like God had power. That's good. Was he truthful? He lied. The lion dog. Excuse me, the lion serpent, right? So he lied. What, what did he say exactly to Eve? Do you remember? That if she ate it, it, what would happen to her? She would be what? She would be like God. Have we heard that in the story before? In the beginning, there was someone named who? Lucifer, and he wanted to be like God, right? So what do we learn about humans from this story? We are easily influenced. That's well said. What else? 
We're fallible. There you go. What else? We like power. Good. What else? We want to know everything. And if we don't, we act like we do. We can choose. What about hiding and blaming? Did you, you guys all died laughing. You know, what was the first thing Adam did? Blamed. Blamed Eve, right? And then Eve blamed the serpent, right? Hiding and blaming, man. All, we always do this. Now, look, we all know that our world is far from perfect. Do I have to convince anybody of that? I don't think so. I mean, we are in a battle. And today's topic is the battle for the heart. You know, when we think about being in a battle, oftentimes we think about the battlefield. Or we think the, the battle is on a political landscape. But the battle is for the heart. You see, in this story that we're telling, in this big story that we're telling, in which God is the central character, it hasn't always been this way. There was a time when everything was good and when everything was perfect. And last week, Trent told us about how majestic and beautiful and perfect this creation was. And we sang about it some this morning. Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 and 5, and if you've got a Bible, it's on page 417, says this, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are people that you should think about them, mere mortals that you should care for them, yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor? This world that God has created... Even though it's flawed, it's majestic. I mean, we live at the beach, folks. I mean, have you ever seen a sunrise? Have you ever seen a sunset? Have you ever gone out at night when it wasn't full of humidity and seen the clear stars? I mean, this world is fantastic. It is majestic. And out of all the things that were created, God says of humans, you are the crown of my creation. Now, that's pretty fantastic. Humanity, think about this. Think about how flawed things are and how messed up things are, yet we are the crown of His creation. Me. You. Doesn't seem that way, does it? I mean, how many of you got into conflict just getting to church today? I mean, it kind of happens, doesn't it? I mean, how many of you have been in conflict this past week? If you've been in some kind of conflict this past week, okay. And... And how many of you, if we're honest, we know the darkness of our own hearts? I mean, we know the thoughts that maybe we have discipline not to say out loud. Maybe some of us say them out loud. I mean, we know we're messed up. John Eldridge, in his little book, Epic, said this, I dare say we've heard a bit about original sin, but not nearly enough about original glory, which comes before sin and is deeper, actually, to our nature. We were crowned with glory and honor. And he asked these questions. Why does a woman long to be beautiful? Why does a man long to be brave? Because we remember, if only faintly, that we once were more than we are now. But into this setting, into this glorious setting, into this perfect setting, God places these two trees. Two choices. Choose life by trusting me. Choose death. By trying another way. Why? Why? I mean, I know we've already talked about this some, but really. I mean, why did this have to be the deal breaker? I mean, doesn't this bug anybody? I mean, really? I mean, you're sitting there and you're thinking, the whole future of humanity is based on a tree in the center of this garden? I mean, 
Honestly, I think the answer is simple. I don't think it's easy, but I think it's simple. I think about this a lot. I really do. And uh, maybe I'm philosophical. I don't know. But I can only get my mind around so much of this. I mean, here this perfect situation is. Here are these people, and, and they're trying to, they're in this garden, and everything is right. And God said, you can do anything you want, just don't eat from that tree right there, that one, okay? Just don't do that. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to get my brain around the reality of what would it have been like to be there in that situation. And honestly, at some point, I am forced with the same choice that Adam and Eve was forced with. I am forced to trust God or try another way because I just can't fully comprehend it. And here is what I really think it all boils down to. Somebody said a while ago, choice, and I believe it's about choice, but it's the choice to trust and love. I think this is very important. How many of you have ever heard of a lady named Corey Tinboom? Raise your hand. Corey Tinboom uh, was a Christian. She was born into a Christian family in Holland during the World War II era, and her Christian family hid Jewish people from the Nazis in Holland during World War II. And uh, if you like to read, I highly encourage you to read her book, The Hiding Place. I think it came out in the 1970s. She died in the 1980s. But this lady, and I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about this. Uh, My son's piano teacher actually is a Holocaust survivor. And the people who have survived the Holocaust, their stories are very similar in that it always has something to do with love, and it always has something to do with faith. It always has something to do with trust in God. That's the only thing that got them through. And uh, Philip Yancey said this about that scenario and why this idea of love is so powerful. And I think this just is perfect. He said, power can do everything but the most important thing. It cannot control love. Think about that. Power can do anything except the most important thing. It can't control love. In a concentration camp, the guard possesses almost unlimited power. By applying force, they can make you renounce your God, curse your family, work without pay, eat human excrement, kill, and then bury your closest friend or even your own mother. All of this is within their power. Only one thing is not. They cannot force you to love them. Love is a choice. There's there's an old parable of a king who loved a humble maiden. And the king was like no other king. I mean, this dude was fierce. He was... uh, He was respected and feared by everyone. They trembled before his power. He spoke the word and it was done. He had the strength to crush all of his opponents. And yet this mighty king was smitten by love of just a regular old peasant maiden. How could he declare his love for her? How could he know? In an odd sort of way, his kingliness actually tied his hands. Because, you see, he could bring her into his court. He could lavish his riches upon her. He could put a crown on her head. He could put royal robes on her. And he could say, do you love me? And, of course, she would say, yes, I love you. But would she be truly happy at his side? How could he really know? You see, he did not want a loyal subject. He wanted a lover. Every parent or every one of you who've ever been in love, you know this. Love is chosen. You cannot, in the end, force anyone to love you. You just can't do it. It won't happen. And so it is with God. See, God wanted humans to love him. He wanted Adam and Eve to love him. And if they were going to love him, they would have to choose to do that. He wanted them to trust him. You see, without choice, how would anyone know if the love was true? Without choice, how could you be sure that anyone was trusted? 
So back to the two trees. God gives humans a choice. God says, trust me in this one thing. Will you please? Just in this one thing. Look, you can do anything you want. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I don't know what kind of... If you grew up in a church or if you grew up with some perspective of God, you might have been like me in the environment I grew up in. I felt like God was kind of just like all about the things I shouldn't do. Don't do this, 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 don't do this. And if you do all those things, then God will be happy with you. But yet, in the very beginning, when God created people, he put them in this garden, and he said, you can do anything you want except one thing. He only had one rule, dude. One. That doesn't sound like a God of rules and regulations. That doesn't sound like a God who is sitting up in heaven telling us what we can't do. He only said one thing. He said, trust me in this one thing, please. Trust that my heart for you is good. Trust that I'm doing the right thing by you. I'm withholding this from you for a reason. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. Now, there's a popular video game. Any, any gamers in here? Gamers? Gamers? Wow, okay. That's okay. We'll still do this. This is good. Uh, in the... There's a popular video game called Fallout. Anybody heard of Fallout? Don't want to ask that question. Okay. Uh, there's a character in there. The main character is the Lone Wanderer. And the Lone Wanderer is, uh, is faced with a task that is very similar to the task uh, that you and I are faced with. And it's this idea of choice. So without further ado, let's take a look at a clip from this video game. You know, the interesting thing about the story of Adam and Eve is that it's our story as well. It's not just a choice that Adam and Eve faced long ago in the beginning. It's a choice that we face every day. Two trees, life or death. Everybody, this is William. Everybody give William a warm welcome. Uh, William is epic. How many of you are epic? Say, I am epic. I am epic. That is awesome, man. Uh, and William uh, has agreed to come up here and uh, share some of his story with us. And uh, so first off, William, got a question for you. So we're talking about this tree of life and this tree of death. And uh, early on in your story, uh, you started choosing the, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of death. What was that for you? Uh, addiction, drug addiction, alcoholism. And so uh, how long ago did that kind of thing start with you? Started about, I was about 12 years old when I had my first drink. Um, lasted all through until I was much older in my thirties. So um, you alcohol were... drinking, alcohol, smoking marijuana every day all through my teenage years. Um, into my twenties, I used. I mean, you guys name the drug. You've probably heard of a lot of them, and uh, I've done them. <laughs> I've done. I've tried them. I did some of them a lot more than others, uh, and I've done them every way you can think of doing them. To the point that you're kind of actually tired of talking about how many different drugs you did and all the different ways you did them. I, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on with a lot of stories about drugs, but that's not the point. I chose death, and I chose in a lot of different ways. I mean, so, I, so what are some of the things that, uh, that happened to you not in a positive way as you making bad choices? I uh, went to jail a lot. I, uh, I've been homeless. I've lived in my car. Um, I've even had good times in, in, in it, too. I, I mean, I've had good jobs, made good money, but it always ended in uh, misery. Um, brought me down to a level of incomprehensible demoralization, they call it. So, 
So you were rocking wrong in your life, and was this a was this like pretty much life for you, or was this something that just you periodically went in and out of? No, this was a full time job, <laughs> <laughs> a full time experience for my life since I was like I said I was about twelve. By the time I was fourteen or fifteen, I every day was drinking and smoking marijuana. Um, I got into the cocaine and the heroin and and the pills and LSD and all those things later. And then those I would go in and out of, but the alcohol and, and what I call the lighter drug, which is still a drug, was all the time. It was my choice, my, my life choice, really. I thought I'd be that way forever, to be honest. And if you've ever suffered any kind of addiction, you know that feeling. I mean, you feel like you can't get out. So you're rocking along 20, how many years of this? About 25 years. Worth. About 25 years of this. So we're not talking about something that just happened a little while in your life. You're talking about... Wasn't Most of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And so you reached a point at which uh, you wanted to start making some good choices. You wanted to start choosing life. But you, like Williams talked about his story with me, it's like most of us, if, if we finally get to that point where we're willing to change, there's got to be something going on. So what was happening in your world circumstantially that finally got you to the breaking point where you said enough is enough? Well, the last time that well, I really made a decision that I didn't want to live that way anymore, I was uh, in jail again. Um, I was pretty much living out of my car. Um, I, had, I had moved away. I, I was in jail here in Flagler County once. I moved away for 10 years to New York and did fairly well, fairly successful. Came back to Flagler County, hooked up with some of the old crew, and uh, ended up literally back in the same bunk in Flagler County Jail. And... Flagler County Jail is not that big, but to hit that same exact spot 10 years after that was like, well, you know, I was just done. I was, I knew at that point I was finished. I, I you know, I knew I wanted to try something different and uh, that this, this lifestyle wasn't really working for me, even though for years I thought I would live that way forever, you know, but I just knew that, I don't know, for anybody that's had been involved in addiction, they call it hitting a bottom. I just felt it in my heart that this, I just couldn't live this way anymore. For real, I mean, this time yeah. I really meant it, though, because there's been hundreds and hundreds of times before that, like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Wake up with a hangover, go to jail, or, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I'll never do that again, and always found myself right back in that same situation because I kept choosing death, choose, making the wrong choice. So. And all this while you're choosing death, the, filled in your story along the way are, are examples of God still pursuing you, God still thinking about William, God's still trying to get your attention, and, and you were in uh, jail that last time, and you, you told me that you were looking for something to read because you knew there wasn't anything else to do. What did you find? Yeah, I had, a, I had said a prayer that night in that bunk, and uh, I you know, wasn't even really sure what I was or who I was praying to, but I had lit, grown up with you know, God in my life, and uh, so I said a prayer, and because I had been to jail before, I... Uh, I knew that I should probably find a book because that's really all there is to do in jail is read and kind of work out. And um, so I looked around the room or the cell block there, and uh, on the table there was one book I saw. And I walked over there, and I picked it up, and it was a book about God. I don't even know the name today, but it was, it was a God book. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, God. I mean, the message couldn't have been much clearer then. So I started reading that book while I was in my stay there for that time and uh fast forward a little bit the story uh williams that was it your sister-in-law invited you to church your sister yeah and, I, and and so william goes to church and he has an incredible actually an incredible experience with god where 
uh, he actually meets Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ transforms his life. And, and he's, he's a new creation. He's a, he's a new person now. He's what the Bible calls being born again. And so all of a sudden, you've gone from a life of choosing death over and over again to a life now where you're choosing life. And uh, so I'm sure, William, how long ago did that happen? About two years and four months. Okay, so we're not, talking, we're not talking a long time. No. Remember, I mean, in the scope of life, a couple of years is not that long. Right. And so I'm sure that, like, once you encountered Jesus Christ, your life was just absolutely perfect from then on. There were no problems. Yeah, like, right. everything was just... Right. I thought I was going to sit on the mountaintop with the harps of God himself, like yeah. the Adam originally did in the Garden of Eden, and just have the harps and angels. But that didn't happen, and right? It did not happen, no. Life continued because life... Does, is here. We're here in it, you know. But so, yeah, I've had struggles. So, what what day. is life like for you every day? What is choosing life as opposed to death like for you every day? Well, it's free. It's freedom from what I used to live. That's for sure. Um, I have uh, I have release um, relief actually relief from bondage, and uh, but it's still something I have to do every day. You know, I I I truly believe that we all have whatever our hurts, hang-ups, habits are, you know. Maybe you don't identify with mine, but I'm sure everybody, I would guess everybody in this room has something. And uh, for me, I have to every day remind myself that God is there. And I do have this choice to, to make every morning. I hit my knees every morning, and I ask God for help. Hmm. And uh, that helps me through the day, get through the day. It doesn't mean that I'm not tempted. It doesn't mean that tree of the... The, the, the bad choice that's not right in front of me everywhere I go, in, inside of me, actually. It's inside of me. You know, I struggle with my ego. I struggle with depression. I struggle with anger, you know. struggle with wanting to be able to have a beer once in a while, but I can't, you know. There's all those things. And, uh, but today I, I just put God first. I've actually turned my will and my life over to God, and uh, I try to do that every day in the now and today. Awesome, man. And that, uh, it helps me. That's all I can really say. I, you know, I, I, I'll never be perfect. I'm human. And I'll always struggle, I think. Or I'll have this inside of me, this craving or this, this impulse to do, you know, sure. what I think is yeah. fun or cool or, you know, and uh, feeling not good enough or feeling too good or judging or whatever. But it, it's always in me. But I don't have to live that. I can put God first and look, you know, look for his signs and his... his signs in front of me to uh, follow his path. So would you guys join me and thank William for coming up here. Thanks. And it takes a lot of courage to stand up and, and be honest about everything that's going on in your world. And I think his story, you know, the point of his story is not to glorify anything that he struggled with in his life. The, the point is to... Let's just be honest. The choice that Adam and Eve faced, we face. Every day, we have the choice of life or death. And he had a moment in his life when he encountered Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, he had a power available to him that he did not have before to help him to start making the right kinds of choices. And that power is available to you. I have a question for you. Let's go back to the garden. Did the humans choose to trust God? Yes or no? No. Now, does this still bug you? I mean, this still bugs me. I mean, it bugs me that they messed it up for the rest of us. 
Does that bother anybody else or am I the only one? Okay. I mean, really. The future of humanity rises and falls on a banana. I mean, some people say it's an apple. How do you know it was an apple? It doesn't say it was an apple. It says it was fruit. It could have been a banana or a peach. I don't know. But the point is, it's not really about the fruit, is it? Not really about the fruit. See, I think this strikes at the heart of the problem. And this is the heart of the problem. We don't really trust God either. William was saying real freedom came when he surrendered his life and his will to God. But you live your whole life thinking that freedom is I make my own choices and I am my own God. We've been blinded by the serpent. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 10, it says this, Their hearts always turn away from me. Their hearts always turn away from me. So this is where the story, the big story that we're in, took a tragic turn. Humans chose to try another way. They chose door number two. No thanks, God, I'll take door number two. No thanks, God, I'll choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of death. And the tragedy only rolled forward in time, passing from one generation to the other. And because God always does what is good and perfect and right, he had to exact consequences on Adam and Eve for the choices they made. He had to boot them out of the garden. All of a sudden, now life is hard. It's not easy anymore. But this God who had to exact consequences on them. Now, I don't know how you feel, but when I'm kind of lost and I'm out of the garden, because we're all out of the garden, folks, we're not in a perfect scenario anymore, it feels like a lot of times God is just like coming down on me and judging me and why is this happening? But if you understand God's perspective on this thing, why Adam and Eve, they had to be put out of the garden because they chose not to trust God. While they did this, and while God was very firm about this, God did something that is pretty amazing. He pursues them. He doesn't abandon them. He makes clothes for them. He makes provision for them. He allows them the opportunity to return to Him. Adam and Eve are out of the garden. Now they need help. The question is, where will they turn? You and I, we're out of the garden. We need help. The question is, where will we turn? The dilemma of the big story is this. This is the dilemma right here. We don't know if we want to be rescued. We don't know if we want to admit we need help. Rescuing the human heart is the hardest mission in the world. Look, we are epic. And the very first Sunday, if you were here, you heard Trent say, more than doing church, we want to be the church. But here's the reality. To be the church, everyone has to come to the place in their own lives where we realize that we need to be rescued by this loving creator. Have you ever been lost? Anybody ever been lost? Like, not found? Lost? Uh, Last Christmas, uh, we had my brother and his family uh, uh, here for Christmas. and, And my parents were here and my cousin was here. There were 13 of us and we all went to Disney. And that's fun. And, uh... He's got four kids, and the, and the littlest kid, my nephew Josiah, we were coming off of uh, one of the attractions, and uh, there were, you know, 13 of us, big crowd, right? And we're trying to keep up with my three kids and his four kids, and it's all kind of like, you know, like a little league soccer game, you know, just kind of moving along like this. And, and, and we come out of the attraction, and we stop, and no one noticed that Josiah kept going. 
nothing like losing your kid at Disney. And so all of a sudden, his mom, my sister-in-law, where is Josiah? And the look of terror in a mother's eyes, there's nothing like it. And so we all just went into action. I'll cover this way, I'll cover this way. And we spread out. And I just happened to be the person who ran into Josiah first. And he was running and he was looking. And he just had this panicked look in his eye. And I saw him and he was pretty far away. And I yelled his name, Josiah! And he heard me, he recognized his uncle's voice, and he stopped in his tracks, and he turned, and he ran over to me, and I grabbed him. And there was nothing like the relief that was in that kid's eyes. And then, of course, I took him to his mom, and he just grabbed his mom, and he just gave his mom this big bear hug and didn't let go for a long time. I'm not sure who was more relieved, his mom or him. But if you've ever been lost, you know the feeling of lostness. You know the feeling of hopelessness. You know the feeling of, I need help. Now let me ask you a question. When you're lost, when do you want to be found? I think the answer is, as soon as you realize you're lost. Do you realize that you need God? Do you realize that you're out of the garden? Do you realize the consequences of all of humanity's choices? The first temptation of mankind ended in the fall of the world. And you and I are more like Adam and Eve than we want to admit. You see, every day we face the same two trees. The tree of life, the tree of death. Every day we're forced to choose life or death. And death always leads us away from God. And life always leads us towards God. There is an epic battle for the heart going on. For your heart. Every day. For my heart every day. And God gives everyone the same choice that he gave Adam and Eve. The choice to follow him. The choice to trust him. Or the choice to try it another way. Now the very first step in making things right again. The very first step is admitting that you're not alright. So we are not alright. We have messed up the story folks. You know, it's so easy to blame it on Adam and Eve, and I've done that for years, but every day I choose from the tree of death. Every day when I get angry at my wife or or I'm real sharp with my kids or whatever, I'm tempted every day, just like you, between the tree of life and the tree of death, and often I choose death. And so God asks all of us again, will you choose life? Every moment, every day, will you choose life? What will you do this week as you, you know, go throughout the landscape of your week and all the decisions you have to make, all the things you have to do, all the interactions that you have with people? Will you choose life or will you choose death? We need someone to step into our story and change things because we've messed it up and we've messed it up miserably. We need someone outside of our story to reach in and do something different than what we have done. And so I encourage you to come back next week and hear as the story unfolds in an incredible way and takes another twist in a way that still blows my mind. Now I'm going to pray for a moment and just kind of seal the end of this this part of the service and a few other comments I'll make before we leave for the day. Pray with me. God, I thank you so much. Lord, that you are a God that always does what is good, right, and perfect. 
You are a God of love, a very personal God, a God that when you came to creating us, placed your hands on us and kissed us with the breath of life. And Lord, every instruction that you give us is not to hurt us. Every instruction you have for us is an instruction to teach us the best possible way to live. And every day you call out to us, choose life. Choose life. So Lord, as we go throughout our week, I pray that we would see those two trees everywhere we go. And I pray that we would hear your voice calling our name and encouraging us to choose life. And I pray that every day this week, we will choose more and more of you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.